in the days of myths continued. With hundreds of such stories as these, the children hardly needed books of fairy tales, even if there had been any in those days. But I fancy that the tales they liked best were of wonderful voyages, said to have been made long before their fathers or grandfathers or great-grandfathers could remember. One of these was known as the Quest of the Golden Fleece. This fleece had been hung in a grove in Colchis, a country a long way from Greece, and more than one young hero had said to himself, How I wish I could win it! The difficulty was that it was guarded by a fire-breathing dragon, which never fell asleep for even a moment, and many a brave man who was ready to fight with two or three or even four or five stout warriors did not like to run the risk of being turned into a cinder. Now there was a young man named Jason who was heir to a kingdom in Thessaly. His uncle Peleus was to hold it for him until the boy had grown up, and when Jason, a brave, stalwart young man, appeared at court and said that he had come to take possession of his throne, the uncle set his wits to work to find some way of continuing to hold it. He pretended to be very ready to give it up. But you are a young man, said he, and before you settle down to the cares of a kingdom, should you not like to win a little glory? How would it please you to engage in some wonderful adventure, so that your subjects may tell of your achievements hundreds of years after you are dead? Peleus saw Jason's eyes sparkle, and the wily king then spoke of the quest of the fleece as the most glorious adventure one could engage in. Jason was delighted at the thought, and set to work at once to prepare a vessel that would hold fifty men. This itself was an amazing undertaking, for the boats of those days were only little canoes made by hollowing out trunks of trees. The vessel was named the Argo, for Argus, its builder, and the fifty young men who sailed away in it were called the Argonauts. When they were ready, the shores were crowded with people watching to see them start. King Peleus was there, of course. He pretended to be troubled because his nephew was going on so dangerous an expedition, but all the time he was saying to himself, He'll never, never, never come back, and the kingdom will be mine. The fifty young men were soon out of sight, and many were the adventures that they met before they came to the kingdom of Colchis. Once there, Jason went straight to King Eetes and told him that he had come for the fleece. Now in order to get this treasure, Eetes had murdered the one to whom it belonged, and he had no idea of losing it. He was as wily an old ruler, however, as King Peleus, and he did not refuse to give it up. It is only fair, though, he said to Jason, that you should do two little favors for me first, and then you are welcome to fight the dragon and carry away the fleece, and the grove, too, if you will. The two little favors were to yoke to the plow two fire-breathing bulls, and to plant the teeth of a dragon that Cadmus, a hero who lived long before this time, had slain. Just as in the case of the Minotaur, so there was here also a princess who was much in love with the hero of the adventure, and she gave Jason a charm that made the bulls as gentle as lambs. They were soon yoked to the plow, and Jason was ready for the second trial, the sowing of the dragon's teeth. He knew very well what would happen, but he went on as quietly as if he had been sowing corn. In less time than it takes to tell the story, every tooth had sprung up, not as corn, however, but as armed men, who stood for a moment growling savagely and looking about for someone to kill. The instant the men caught sight of Jason, they drew their swords and rushed fiercely upon him. Before this, the Princess Medea had told him how to save himself, and so he caught up a stone and threw it among the furious warriors. 
Each one thought his neighbor had struck him, and in a minute they were all fighting wildly. In another minute, every one of them was dead. After Jason's practice with the fire-breathing bulls, he might have been able to get the better of even the dragon that guarded the fleece, but he thought it was better to sprinkle it with the magic potion that Medea had prepared. In a moment, it was sound asleep, and it was the easiest thing in the world to take down the fleece from the tree on which it hung. He was too wise to go to King Eetes to say farewell, and he hastened away to his own kingdom as fast as his oars and sails would carry him.